Hi guys, welcome back to Matcha Talk Podcast. Today we have an amazing guest. She is NR Label designer. She's a local designer in San Francisco. Please welcome right. Anthony Roger. Woohoo! Hello. Woo-hoo. Hi. How's it going? Good, good, good. Welcome to our podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Yeah, That's thank you for having me. <laughs> she has her Masha drink. Yeah. I'm covering the obvious product placement because. <laughs> Before we start with questions, would you like to tell us what is your go to Masha drink? I'm super plain and simple. I mean, plain and simple for the most part. I very much am the um, oat milk matcha iced, iced on a cold day, iced on a hot day. Um, <laughs> very, and it's it's my my daily my daily go to. Just uh, like Liam, oak milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oak milk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, you know, did you know that, did you know that, di- uh, that matcha is a diuretic? I didn't know that. Anywho, continue on. <laughs> it is. And any caffeine product out there is similar as well. Yeah. Um, we heard of an R label, and it's becoming like bigger and bigger in social media. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to know about you as a designer. Where are you from? What city are you from? Yeah, I mean... I feel like in a lot of my TikTok videos, I go, hi, everyone. My name's Anthony. I'm the designer of And Hour. I feel like that's just my, you, you, it's my, like, thing I say all the time in all these videos. But I'm the designer <laughs> of And Hour. I make uh, queer clothing that makes people feel romance, pleasure, and play, or the evokes the idea of romance, pleasure, and play. And the label is inspired by my upbringing of moving to a big city and discovering my gender ident- identity through clothing. Um mm. And I am originally from Washington state, which is like a really like semi-liberal, semi-conservative state, depending on what side of the state you're on. I was on the more conservative side of the state. Mm. Um, And then I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area when I was 18 and I've been here ever since. And it's just been now almost 13 years. It must be really like liberating and breath of fresh air coming into um, a different scene of people. Yeah. I well, I think honestly for me it was a little bit of like there was so much creature comfort in my hometown, and like I never really went through anything truly traumatic being in my hometown or in high school. Like I, I'm a very personable person, and I can make friends very easily. And I'm I was never the target of any particularly LGBT or you know hate in in the high school. Oh wow. Um. But I think when I moved here, though, it was definitely like I, it was a it was a breath of fresh air in the way that was like, oh, I need to get on these people's levels because I look like Podunk who done it. I looked very um, like, oh, this person is from a small town. Ah. When people from smaller town move to the bigger town, people can tell sometimes from like how the way you talk, how the way you dress. They kind of know that like it must be from out of town. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the people who are from, well, especially like a lot of the people that I went to lived in the dorms with, and when I was eighteen, they were all from like California, LA. They were from mm-hmm. Las Vegas. They were from New York. They were from even bigger cities or like from Miami. So they all had like this edge about them that I think I craved coming from like a super small town in southeastern Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I craved that like level of. LGBT acceptance where people were dressing in the way they want. They were dressing punk. They were dressing really avant-garde or, and I mean, it kind of funnily avant-garde for 18 year olds, (laughs) but um, nonetheless still tried to, try to fit in. Yeah. 
seem like they're more expressive to be who they are. And you're like, I, I can do this. I can try that. I can go to an Urban Outfitters and find some stuff. I mean, go to an Urban Outfitters and steal some stuff, essentially. <laughs> I think we all did at some point in our life. So, <laughs> sorry, Erin. <laughs> I have a question. So, like, how did it all started within in our label? Because when I was, like, searching to social media, I sent this immediately to Ned, my co-host, and I said, oh, my gosh, we want her to be in our show. And it's so inspiring to have, like, the diversity of models you have in your mm -hmm. brand of mm -hmm. sizes, colors, and all of this um, amazing people in there. I, how did you come up with this idea? And yeah, I mean, so for some background, I, I graduated um, from college with a degree in photography. Mm -hmm. um, so I was working like on a lot of like e-commerce um, sets. So I was working at Williams Sonoma. I've worked at The Gap. I've worked at Jansport. I've worked at all these different places. Aritzia, no, Athleta. Um, mm. A lot of places where, you know, it's, they, they make art for commerce. Yeah. Um, and just kind of being in the wheel well of, oh, you know, this photo will help sell this, you know, crock pot you know, mm. or this, whatever, this, this shot will help sell, you know, this ladle, whatever. Does it come like with stories and stuff with those photographies? It's one of those things where once you graduate, like you gotta, you kind of have to find a job and mm. like the jobs are not entirely the most like inspiring because it's just like, you're selling stuff to people and it's not yeah. like doing editorial. For me, I thought, oh, like I'll make money from doing like really gorgeous editorials. It's like, no, you make a lot of money from doing like two weeks at a studio in Brisbane, California, where you're working, you know, from 8.30 to 5.30 every day, color mm -hmm. matching, like, yeah. lots. Um, so did that. And then the pan, and then the panty, the pan, the panorama happened, um, as we all know. And mm -hmm. basically I lost, I lost all those jobs because a lot of those studios, they won't let you work from home because yeah. they want all their proprietary information in their studios. They don't want anyone working or taking it from home. I think that's that's changed now because I think people, the worker has uprised enough to like, we can work from home anywhere, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So in the beginning I lost my job and I just yeah. got on unemployment and I was mm -hmm. like, well, I have all this time. I have some security with this unemployment with this enhanced benefit. Um, mm -hmm. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I really couldn't do photography in my tiny apartment, especially people photography. That's what I was really into. Um, and so I honestly was just like, the way, and this is, this is working up to the end hour story. This is working up. Um, basically, <laughs> I'm an avid YouTube watcher. And one of the things that popped up, was, um, a sewing YouTuber called With Wendy. And she mm. is based out of on Toronto, Canada. Um, mm -hmm. And she just does like really great like recreations and inspirations of like other like indie brands near Palais and so many more. Mm -hmm. Um Kamatoshi, like things I, I really brands I really enjoyed just wholesale. And basically I was like, oh well, she's teaching me how to sew, she's teaching us how to sew. Like I thought that could be interesting. I, I do enjoy like fashion in that way as well. Yeah. And so basically it was either teach myself the hobby or kill myself. And so that you know, I had to make it <laughs> so sorry. No, because we all get so much time. Yeah, yeah. so much time at home, and like, it's it, it was so it just was a, a perfect symphony of like, okay, let's teach myself how to do this thing, and just practice day in and day out, and just trying to make stuff and finding fabric at Goodwill, and just you know putting things together was just kind of like the fun of it. And then I took it more seriously when 
I got accepted into this business incubator called Business Class by Sophia Amoruso. Mm-hmm. I got accepted as like an LGBT recipient. Mm-hmm. And basically it, gave, it also gave me the like space to think about starting a business in the way that I like was going to be meant for me. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to go back to photo retouching or being in the mm-hmm. studios, being a digital tech. I didn't want to go back to that kind Just of Just wanted to expand yourself to different horizons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you get paid a lot of money, but it's just not fulfilling in any capacity. Like, yeah, you're working for the man. Um, mm. <laughs> and I like working for the they thems. Um, yes. but no, so, so basically went through the class, kind of developed the brand and I just kind of put two and two together. My love for queer people and my love for what I do with creating mm-hmm. garments and what garments meant to me and just, and that's kind of how, and our basically started there. Mm-hmm. I wish it was more like aha, epiphany moments, like even uh-huh. how, even how I came up with the name, the name yeah. literally was not like any sort of, aha, it was me in the shower and I was thinking of names for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, and our. Just putting, and, putting like little things together, putting other little names together. Interesting. Did you see like how much like the designers here in San Francisco, there's like a little of nine, um, unisex brand or non-labeled mm-hmm. brand mm-hmm. out there. And yours itself, it kind of stands out to me how you came up with the idea of having diversity in your brand. You know, like how the sizes are. I don't know. I spoke to you this in person as well. How I love the sizing. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel included as a yeah. person. And and included yeah. and not like a Kate Moss. I wish I was a Kate Moss um size. <laughs> you don't have to be because that's how realistic <laughs> of anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but I love how you're one of those brand out there, like fighting this mold that you don't have to be in this thing. Yeah, well, the thing is, I appreciate the sentiment too. It's very sweet. I think my biggest battle, of course, is sizing in the way that there are certain garments that I make that can't go above a large because so mm-hmm. we'll get into it. We'll talk more about like the, the actual nitty gritty of doing making things because mm-hmm. it's way more complicated i think we all are on tiktok and when you and when you go and see a brand and you go in the comments and someone's like well you don't make it in a 6x so like mm, flop mm-hmm. you know and and mm-hmm. fair enough you know what i mean like if it's a huge brand like an h&m and they don't make things in a 6x or like whatever that yeah. I put more flame under because they got the money but um yeah the thing is i i started to now invest more capital in making sure i can at least go up to a 5x Mm-hmm. Uh, some gar- some of my more specialty garments, I can't go above like an extra large sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, you know, it's it's a work in progress, and it's just me, and it's just me with um, some of my own money and a credit card, and hoping for the best. I mean, yeah. I think this could relate to like makeup, cosmetic, you know, brand. Yeah. When they're big brand, they can should create more shades, like foundations, right? Yeah. We're expecting more from that brand. Yeah, I think it's like when, especially when small brands pop up, like really, truly a small brand where they mm-hmm. where they have one product line and maybe that is foundation or, or tinted moisturizer or whatever. And then there's people in the comments like, well, you don't make literally the lightest, lightest shade. You don't make the darkest, darkest shade. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I know I, I'm very cynical in that way. I'm just like, well, would you like to give me the money to do that? <laughs> 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 
yes. so I can take it to somewhere and go make it. Anyhow, but yeah. <laughs> now that you found your inspiration to create the inner label, um, how was your support system to, you know, get this kick started? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, for me, like. I very much marched to the beat of my own drum and maybe I should listen to, to other people more often, but I, I'm very much about like, if I feel it in the moment and I want to do it, I'll just do it. And I have mm-hmm. conviction to do it. Um, and I think when I was beginning, some people were like, you know how to sew? You just, you learned how to sew. I was like, yeah, I learned how to sew. And like, especially <laughs> my college, it, I, I think about the, where I went to college and the way that like, we had a fashion design program that is pretty like a critically acclaimed. And I think about the designers that graduated from those programs who are like either not working in fashion anymore or work in the same way I used to work where it's like working in a corporate studio, designing corporate items for corporate things. You know what I mean? Like not really designing and making things for yourself or making for yeah. a business. Um, I always think about like, I always think about the imposter syndrome of that more rather than luckily my personal inner circle is all very supportive and like have always like, that's really important. Yeah. In that way. So that's always been really lovely. I also see in your website, um, of your core value, you know, the first one's the people, second Mm -hmm. product and the third one's, um, purpose. Mm -hmm. Would you like to expand on that on how you create noodles? value yeah i mean i think those for me it's like those three it's like oh gosh i mean well i know we're we we're gonna get into like talking about shien because i know that's coming up at some point (laughs) yes but so like for me like how i think about those is like product is very much about like making things that just are fun and whimsical and people can wear any day of the week it's, and it's also the thing is like product is also being transparent in the fact that it's like, yes, I use polyester materials. They're not entirely sustainable. They're usually not sustainable or they're not usually eco-friendly, and, but I use them and I try to be like as very upfront with people as I can about like, oh no, this is a polyester piece and I am charging this much because it took X amount of time to make it. Yeah. I mean, it's understandable, especially you're a starter designer. So sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a starter designer and you got to make that moolah. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And, like, and, and the kind of other two, it's, like, people is, like, basically around the idea that, I mean, again, we'll talk about it. There's so much to talk about, but there's so <laughs> much to dive, to dive into. But it's, like, people in the way that, like, there is someone making your clothing, like, anything you're wearing right now. Someone was mm-hmm. on a sewing machine attaching the arm to that chest, yeah. attaching the arm oh. to the back, mm-hmm. adding a neck hole, adding a waistband. And, like, I want people to understand, like, that clothing doesn't come from machines. Clothing doesn't come from a 3D printer. Clothing mm-hmm. comes from a person with hands. Um, and then, yeah. And then lastly is the purpose, which is, like, about why I try to do what I do. And, like, it, and essentially, like, there has to be purpose around everything because nothing nothing can be left up to chance in that way of, like, well, we could just, like, make a hundred of these. And, like, with one person, you know, the, everything I do, I take a step to make a purpose about, like, why I choose the certain factory, why I choose a certain seamstress, why I choose certain materials, why I choose to collaborate with certain people. Yeah. That, that purpose, like, contains mm-hmm. So with your three core values, that is really, it's nice to have in a brand, you know, to get to know the designer, the, the clothing, and what's the message behind it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not just, like, something just you pull out, out there and this is it. I made a white t-shirt with yeah. um, like with um with a graphic on it and says hi 
Yeah. <laughs> People need to understand the hard labor, you know, mm-hmm. the behind yeah. the scene. Yeah, I mean, there are people, you know, in this country, especially in this country being USA, um, mm-hmm. who literally like, I mean, Mexican migrant workforces that sometimes work in, in sweatshop like situations in LA that are making like very basic, you know, whatever brand t shirts to then be used to like for print on demand or whatever. Um, and that's something that's like, I think we just, we just don't talk about enough about the fact that it's like people make our stuff. It's like, also they don't, people don't go to, don't go to a restaurant and just assume they just put the, the food in a microwave or all the food. <laughs> yes. And it's done. If someone's making the food. So it's like, it's right. kind of the concept of like, well, someone's also making like clothing. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, um, me and actually spoke about this prior to your interview in regards about the Shein. And it's so interesting. I saw your video in regards to the influencers that goes to China and get mm-hmm. interviewed advocates saying the factory itself treats their co- treats the workers good and it's really clean. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I like how you and the other designers have said something and said, no, this is not real. This is not realistic. Yeah. That video took me for my last full day in China. Hello. So this creator got a lot of flack for making a video, uh, basically promoting Xi'an's ethical business practices. And the original video got removed, but I did repost it to my account. If so, if you see it on your for you page, you'll get some context. Basically, this creator made a video about how the fact that, um, you know, when you are looking at Xi'an, you shouldn't take the rumors about how Xi'an is unethical, like they do everything by standard, blah, 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 blah. And which we know is a lie. We know that is to be a lie that Xi'an um, exploits their workers and exploits the factories that they contract with. And as someone who works ethically in China to create their own pieces in their collection, it really just grinds my gears because there it, it just takes out the humanism in the fact that someone is sitting down in a sewing machine and attaching an arm to a bodice. And so to give some context on how I work, I work with a really great seamstress named May. I've worked with her since I started my um, partnership at my factory called Springdale. Springdale Fashions LTD. They took me on as a small brand, uh, pay per production brand. It's a lot of money. But May gets paid a base rate per garment of 20 yuan, which is like $3 per garment. She also receives an hourly rate in USD roughly to about 20 to $21 an hour. It's a high physical labor job. She is old. She takes time to make my garments and I appreciate it. There's quality, there's craftsmanship. So when I saw this original video, I thought A, shame on Xi'an for making trying to use creators to front their propaganda, the fact that they are such an ethical company, which is not possible when you're spending $15 on a shirt or not even $50, like what, $7 on a shirt? Just take the math that I have told you, right? About the 20 yuan uh, per garment and then the base rate. Like there's no way they make money. They would make money on a $7, $6, shirt. So someone is getting exploited. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't want to laugh, but it's just like so funny when it's, I see these videos come across my feed. And the thing is ethical production in China is totally achievable it's totally there you gotta fork up the cash and to anyone that's like well make stuff in america make it usa blah blah blah. the factories in the usa are maybe arguably worse because it usually usually uses migrant workforce to sew 
Remember, there is someone always on the bench physically hand-sewing garments. There are no machines. There's no AI. There is someone fully making an arm, putting it on a bodice, and sending it up to whoever needs it, wants it, is paying for it. Okay, that's everything I want to say. Have a great day. Bye, guys. Oh, gosh. I mean, this. I think this creator is still getting slammed, and I feel bad for this creator, too, in hindsight, because it's like... She's just a pawn in Shien's, like, propaganda mm -hmm. game. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. if, you, if you notice that all of the, like, creators they brought were either black mm -hmm. or plus size. Yeah. Because Shien thought, oh, people won't flame them on the internet because they are black or plus size. Like, people won't even cross that line or boundary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Call them liars. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. because they know the, the, the social ethics of, like, calling out black creators or calling out, you know, plus size creators. Creators in the minority. But... No, no, no. I get the power of Shein. No, no, no. It, it sucks because, like, yeah. these influencers are just, like, you know, they don't know what they're aiming for. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they're they're PR crisis managers for Shein. And, like, yes. it's great that, and, I, and, yeah, it's great that it's, like, these minority influence, minority creators. I mean, either, you know, we don't know their, like, their wealth background or, like, what they mm -hmm. do money-wise, but, it, I mean, yes. it's... On the flip side, it's cool. You get a trip to go somewhere. It's all expenses paid because you go to yeah. a, you know, and, and enjoy a different country, right? Like, that's yeah. the travel. But when it's like, from what we've learned that these creators were not paid to make these videos, um, or that was a part of their, their contracts or their stipulations to, like, make videos about being at their innovation center. Hmm. Anywho, mm -hmm. just, I mean, just from background, too, for anyone who's listening, it's like, Shein is a, if you don't know, Shein is a multi-billion dollar corporation that makes very, very cheap fashion and can get it to you very, very quickly. They tried to basically be the rivals of like Amazon in mm -hmm. fashion, essentially. Or Forever 201, like yeah. all the fast fashion chain out there. Yes. I, the, fastest, the fastest chain, the fastest fashion chain, totally. And <laughs> the thing is you can go on to Shein and you can get a shirt for $3. You can go mm -hmm. get pants for five dollars. You can mm -hmm. get a dress for under six dollars. Like, mm -hmm. and some people will argue that, oh no, Sheena's ethical. Like, look what they're doing. Blah 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 blah. But the prices do not lie in terms of like how much this thing costs. I mean, though we are taking on the savings of like, oh my god, we're getting a shirt for three dollars. It's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Someone in in the ch in the chain is getting fully screwed over, and that yeah. is probably the person who's making garment who actually has to sweat over the labor and like with their hands put it through the machine i think the videos that came out of this shan brand trip were entirely tone deaf and i think i think these creators got what was coming to them but the thing is i think mean, more than that i think it's still putting i think it's still putting the fire back in shan to be like no no, no you you guys are wrong we're not going to be spreading that kind of propaganda about oh you guys treat your people so well oh your fashion is so sustainable and eco-friendly um it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, uh, let's make sure that our voices are heard on TikTok, especially on TikTok too. Like, let's make sure they're very heard about um, why we, why small creators like us, like fashion creators like us, we do what we do and why things cost as much as they do. I mean, I get comments all the, all the time on my TikToks about like certain things I make, like, oh, this thing shouldn't be worth $200. It should be only like 50 Yeah. That's how much it costs me to make it as a sample, mm -hmm. to like, to to like hand them money, not even to sell the sample. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's fun.
<laughs> I think, you know, fellow other consumers out there and stuff, and depending on their socioeconomic background, having this knowledge of purchasing these items from this company, it just gives you like, oh, should I really support or should I just start going to a company that's really supporting their unders that's really you know, 100%. Well, yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll do some background here, some breakdown too. It's like, so I work at a really great um, ethical factory in China mm-hmm. called uh, Springdale Fashions LTD in Jiangwen, mm-hmm. China. And I work with one seamstress, her name is May. She's in her like mm-hmm. mid-60s now. And she's been working at this factory. Shout out to May. <laughs> somewhere, I hope good wishes, well wishes. But I mean, like she makes all of my samples. She works on a couple of the different brands and contracts. And so when I ever get, whenever, whenever I get line time, I try to really um, utilize it. But basically, mm-hmm. to think about the math, she gets paid like 20 to $21 an hour. That's her hourly rate. Then she gets paid a 21 per garment, which is roughly $3 a garment. So that is already $24. It could be literally, if she makes three garments an hour, she could essentially walk away with $9. Then she is making $29, $30 an hour. For me, I contract in a way the account manager that I work with will say like, okay, it'll take four hours to do this. Made to order garments that you need or the same thing you need. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm gonna walk away with having to pay like, I guess what's the math on that? Uh, Ninety about one twenty area probably then for those four hours, paying one twenty mm-hmm. to like have things made and have things completed. Um, mm-hmm. And this is like a rougher take, right? So like when people basically are like advocating for Shein, I'm like, your math is not mathing. The math is not adding up here. Like, yeah. we are people who understand geometry. I think. Um, we understand calculus. Um, and so, unfortunately. yeah, unfortunately. And so like when people are like, when you're getting a $3 t-shirt, it's basically you have to kind of work backwards and that, that person who made that shirt is probably getting paid less than a dollar an hour or they're not even getting paid hourly. They're getting paid per garment. And sometimes they're only getting paid like a third of a penny per garment or three. I just want to add to your statement it's just that on top of that it just really we don't know how because like in america we have rights as a worker mm. for our worker yeah. we do have breaks and all of these things no. however we don't know what's behind those doors like yeah we do the calculation but we don't know how humanly are they being treated in their yeah. you know jobs yeah well. i mean and i think it goes for any minority workforce too i mean we think about i mm-hmm. think about the la factories and sweatshops here and the fact that a lot of it, mm. a lot of it is migrant workforce have to work under the table for like a dollar an hour to like survive i think the one takeaway too is for me is that's like always that though shen makes china look bad in the way that mm. like manufacturing happens but on the flip side there are really great factories that have been family owned or family run for years and years and years who treat all of their workers great who give their workers enough space like physical space to work Breaks, air conditioning, the right mm-hmm. to unionize, no forced labor, no child labor. I want to just shout out my factory really quick because they are very much about social responsibility and the fact that the the, the factory itself is is like family friend, family and friends run. Mm-hmm. So one of one of their initiatives in 2013, like last that or I guess last 10 years ago, from what mm-hmm. they put on their website essentially or what what I've heard is basically like. Well, it's essentially like they like were building schools for mm-hmm. um, areas in China that otherwise 
what oh. not to have the access to education and things like mm-hmm. like the friends of the founder or friends of friends who are like, oh, I grew up in this area and this area needs a school, needs a library. Um, but it costs a lot of money too. So it's like yeah. whatever, whatever they could do social responsibility wise is like, that it's like it not it's not all evil, which mm-hmm. I think Shan unfortunately puts a bad rap on it, um, puts a bad rap on the country. Of course, like I'm not advocating for China as a whole because, like, of course, duh. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where even this country too. I don't think people could say like America is entirely a fabulous country, as we've learned. Sorry, we're getting political, but regardless. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> regardless, there are great people in the world who who do work and do great things and want to help people and want to help you know creators like me. Of course, to advocate that rights as well to kind of like um to give knowledge to some people who doesn't know the the facts yet, you know, yeah. which is really nice. And I wanted to know because like maybe like other designers out there like you once you enter this designing how would they search for a good factory that human rights and equally pay for them we hope you enjoyed our episode of our podcast today before you go please make sure to follow us on instagram logical underscore podcast don't forget our tiktok account it's Matcha talks all right we hope to hear from you soon Bye. Bye. <laughs>